Warning! This 18th installment of Spyrocon Review Podcast's Bond Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, post-Cold War plots, ingenious gadgets, a breathtakingly aggressive henchwoman, a former double O agent out for revenge, a spectacular theme song, a female head of MI6, and the fifth James Bond. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Picture Review, James Bond, 007, GoldenEye. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Spyrokin's Bondothon, or the James Bond Marathon. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjour, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. Hope you guys are doing good. Hope you've been well during this really weird time. And I know we keep extending this, then lessening this, and extending it, and lessening this. Don't worry. I know that we have three months left to go, and we're probably going to have to power through six episodes in three months, but... It's doable. Two a month. And we're going to have to do three a month to make up for because it's now apparently November 15th is when the new one comes. So we got to kind of rush this a little bit. But no worries. We were able to cram in how many episodes in the first three months of this thing? Well, we were speeding up until we had to slow down and now we got to speed up again. But yes, if you want to listen to any of the other 17 installments, you can check them out at www.spyrokin.com. We also have lots of movie reviews, game reviews, anime reviews, and manga reviews, which are more important. And you can check them all out there. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and various other social media sites. And I think that's everything. Oh, yes, we're going to be at uh, the League of Conventions this week on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We have two panels. I think one is going to be on demand, one's not. You can check us out there. All this will be in the show notes. We also have a Discord channel, and we're actually putting a bunch of stuff on our Discord because we finally started it. Now, one of the coolest things we have on there is for the channel, which says the James Bondothon. We actually have us ranking the various inventions and gadgets from the franchise. So if you go there, you can comment and let us know what you think about the various gadgets, vehicles, henchmen, henchwomen, villains, and more importantly, the cars of... The James Bond franchise. All the clothes. All the girls in the casino with the. Well, that's another thing. But, um, yeah, so it's been a little bit of time since Greta's back. Because last episode, Doug was here to talk about License to Kill, the final Timothy Dalton James Bond film. And we're actually at the next franchise because he is done and we have phased out. So, so far, we've had Sean Connery. Who's the best? We had George Lazenby. Very excellent. Then we had Sean Carter again, but we're not going to count that. Then, of course, we had Roger Moore. Yep, very good. We've had Timothy Dalton. Also very good. And now we're at the fifth James Bond, who's actually supposed to be the fourth James Bond, except for a little contract involving Remington Steele. But we're going to get to his casting in a little bit. So this new film, this film, was directed by Martin Campbell. And it was produced by Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli. Also, sad fact, this is the last film that Cubby Albert Broccoli worked on. He died nine months after the premiere of this film, which is kind of sad. So no more seeing Albert Broccoli on the credits, which is a shame. I'm going to miss Broccoli. Oh, his daughter's still there. I know, but still, Albert yes. Broccoli. And this is the first James Bond film not to utilize any story elements from the works of Ian Fleming, but it was named after Ian Fleming's 
Jamaican home. Huh. It was named after um, his estate on Orca Bessa Bay on the northern coast of Jamaica, and it's 15 acres adjacent to the Golden Clouds estate, and it's a house that overlooks a cliff and a private beach. And lots of people came to this place. So it's kind of cool that it was named after this location, which makes sense. It so fits his whole motif. So um, this film is starring, you have uh, Serena Gordon. You have Minnie Driver, surprisingly, in this film, which is totally a cameo. But it's it's funny seeing her in this because you're like, is that Minnie Driver? She's British. They're like, oh, yeah, she's British. But she's singing horrible. You have Billy G. Mitchell in this. You have Michael Kitchen, which that's random. And he is playing a new second-in-command, you'd say, Michael Kitchen. He's the second-in-command of our leader of MI6. and He's like her assistant, the keeper of every... Is he the new Many Penny? Uh, no, Many Penny is next, which is Samantha Bond as the third Many Penny, or fourth, depending on how you look at it. And I gotta say, Samantha Bond is unlike I thought she did Lois Maxwell. Job. She just takes him straight to task. She's like, he's like, oh, many penny, what would I ever do without you? And she's like, well, you've never had me. It's very empowering. The witty banter. It's no longer, oh, James, please take me. It's like, okay, step up, put your money where your mouth is. Yes, unlike the last Mr. Bond, the last uh, many penny who was just like. Oh, James is missing. I've got to help him. i got to find him. Ah, this is a many penny who seems to take the task. And the first thing you find is she's on a date. and But he's a little... He's not phased by it. He's just kind of like, okay. I'm still going to flirt with you, though. Like, oh, you clean up nice. Yes. Um, Desmond Llewellyn is back as Q. But I've got to say, he has... Um, he's aged. I like him as Q, though. C- in License to Kill, we saw him as someone who they even said, you'd be great as an agent on the field. And you see him being active and ready, and he seems ready to go. And for some reason, the six years between this and License to Kill, he got old. And it's sad, because he's like now old man at this point. Like, old inventor who has subordinates doing everything. It's not on the inventor. Well, I like that... Uh, spoiler alert, but I like that in the newer James Bond... He steps back. He introduces his own replacement. Well, that's like no, the, no, no, no. That's that's three movies from now. That's that's a couple movies from now. We'll talk oh, about his relationship. We'll talk about the that later. But it's it's kind of a shame to see him because when we first see him, he look he's in a wheelchair and he's got a broken leg. And like, oh, he's so old looking now, and we saw him so young. But his cast is a, a missile launcher. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, next, we have um, Cheki Carvio, who's playing the Russian defense defense minister, Dmitry Mishkin, who it's very weird because usually you expect um, General Gogol to show up, and it's like, no, because this is now different Bond film. Only two people from the old Bond series show up. One was Desmond Llewellyn, and the other one is coming up. And it's kind of interesting to see this, this new world, because this is post... Uh, the Cold War. The Cold War is over, so it's like, what is it? Um, Russia is now more of a, it's coming into capitalism? Well, there's uh, not quite a Ferrari in every garage Garage yet. Yes. 
Um, Hagrid is in this. Robbie Coltrane. And he's playing Valentin Dimitrov Zukovsky, who is a ex-KGB officer and Russian gangster who Bond meets up with. And it's actually a really cool scene of them going back and forth. And it's great to see because it's Hagrid. But it's before he's Hagrid. He's playing a mob and boss. And Minnie Driver is his girlfriend. It's funny to see him like that. I think he would have been a great secondary, like, keep him for a while. And he actually does come back later on. You have Godfrey Jones as Colonel General, depending, Arkady Grigorovich Omorov, who is the head of Space Division and a secret agent of Janus, and questionably either a hench or he's a secondary villain, depending on how you look at it. And I don't know. He's kind of in the middle, I think. Because he just gets killed very early on. But he starts off as a major player. He's a plot point. Yes, he's a major plot point. So, don't know. Hench or villain, up in the air. Now next, we have Lady Judy Dench. Ugh. Appearing as M. So Isn't the, she Dame? Oh, yes, yes. Dame Judy yeah. Dench is M. The head of MI6 and Bond's superior. And, and the, she drinks bourbon. Unlike the last ones. And it's cool because she is a famous English actress. She's cast as M to replace Robert Brown. And the th- reason why that they believe this happened, because originally they said they were going to do it with Lois Maxwell. They said, no, no one will ever believe that the head of MI6 is going to be a woman. But in the real world, Stella Remington became head of MI5 in 1992. So like saying, hey, maybe we should do this. And you have... Lady Duty Gents, or Dame Duty Gents, who does an amazing job in this film. And she lasts a long time. I think she's the longest running um, M. No, 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 no. Is she? It's still Robert. No, Robert Brown has like 10 films, so. We might have to look at that. Well, we have it listed. We'll have to wait and, and examine this, and we'll probably put this in later. But. Um, next we have returning, but not playing a villain, we have Joe Don Baker again. But this time he's playing Jack Wade, a CIA officer. Which is weird, because last time he was disgraced army general who didn't really... Arms dealer and villain for Timothy Dalton in in, uh, Living Daylights. It's really just like... Maybe he was just really deep undercover. He feels exactly the same. And unlike with uh, Felix Leiter, this feels like a shittier Felix Leiter. Like, he's supposed to be, oh, I'm just a comic relief. He's not an asset. He feels... He kind of reminds me of... Um... He reminds me of a used car salesman. No, he reminds me of... What's his name? He does a TV show. He's... Um, been through the tolls before. Um, no, Kelsey. And he did the no, Kelsey Grammer when he was. No, Kelsey it, Grammer. When he was the in that movie with the submarine. Oh, and and um, Periscope down. Down Periscope. Down, no, down Periscope. It kind of he kind of reminds no, me of that. Down kind Periscope. Of guy. That Kelsey Grammer is still a competent officer. Jack Wade feels like you wouldn't trust him at no, all. No, but you he comes through. He's like, oh, is this your version of support? And he goes, yeah, we're just backup. We've never been here. Because they're not supposed to be there. And then he snaps his fingers. He's like, okay, crew, let's move out. And the entire field is all CIA guys. It makes him kind of incompetent and not in... No, but Felix Leiter felt like... He's just kind of a cowboy. Yeah, but I just... I don't know. He felt weird. Like, um, later on, when we get to Daniel Craig, 
uh, when Felix Slayer's back, there's his superior officer who's a corrupt CIA agent. We'll talk about that when we get to it, but Jack Wade feels like he should have been like a bad guy. Nah. Like they should have set him up for something. But again, we digress because he was a villain originally, but whatever. Um, then we have Famke Jensen, a.k.a. Jean Grey from the X-Men films, who is playing arguably one of the most popular Bond girl henchwomen and one of the most popular, well, Bond girls. We're talking about Xenia Onotop. Yeah. Uh, who, it's weird. Bad Russian accent. Yes. No, she's George. She's Georgian accent. Okay, and they said so, that that's on top of it. So, well, well, on top of it, har har. On your top, um, she is oversexed. She gets off. She's very masochistic. She gets off on killing men while they're. She's also engaged. very. She's very. Um, what is the word we're looking for? She's. She gets. She has tantrums. She. She throws. She's a firecracker. She's got a short fuse. She gets super. Um, pissed off really quickly. Like when they're in the casino and she's winning, she's like on top of the world, pulls out a cigar or cigarello, whatever she's smoking or whatever, and looks killer. The dress cuts open in all the right places, fits her like a really tight glove. And, you know, she loses one hand and then she's like pissed, you know, wants to throw stuff gets up and leaves. Like, and ugh. she treats everything like a game almost. Like when she's flirting, it's a game. And when she starts losing, she just gets very cold. And and, like, and she doesn't care who dies, who lives. If somebody gets hurt in the game, you know, like the whole movie opens with um, 007 driving a car. Yes, and they're having a race essentially because they're driving and flirting and driving. And when she loses, she gets really and pissed she off. Almost, they almost kill like these bicyclists. And all sorts of stuff. Yeah, very it's a, reckless. It's a very interesting sequence. In her um, fake Lamborghini or it's a, it's, Ferrari. Or... It's a, yeah, it's a Ferrari, yeah. No, it's a Lamborghini. It's a Lamborghini, yeah. Yep. Then Counterfeit, you, that's but, the word, sorry. Yep. But anyway, so you have Isabella Skorupko playing Natalia Simonova. And she is an uh, actress from, I believe... Um, not Sweden, it's, uh, but anyway, she's a very talented actress, and she's playing the love interest. And I gotta say, she's got some chemistry with Pierce Brosnan, and more importantly, she's not a typical damsel in distress. She's a new hero for a new world, but she's not a, I'm, uh, let's be honest, in License to Kill, the whole, I'm a bull dyke, uh, I don't need a man, I'm an ex-CIA agent, gonna kick ass. Uh, Natalia is more a hands-on computer, but she's like geek. the sexiest computer geek. Well, she's she's a, got the little skirt with the the pencil skirt, but nylons. She, no, it's a little frilly. Like it kicks up when she jumps and falls away, and she's got the cardigan. She just she's dare I say just as sexy as Zenya. She is, but the other thing, but I, she doesn't use it like no. a weapon. But what I do like is that. Uh, at one point, he James asks her, "Do you know how to use this?" And she imme- she immediately goes into um, like she's a, she's a soldier. She works for the government, so she's been trained in all the ordnance. So it's not like she's a, a waste of space. And I like that that she is someone who's someone you don't mess with. 
Yeah. Anyway, so now let's get to the villain of the piece, and actually someone who was auditioned to be James Bond and would have been James Bond if uh, the person who is James Bond declined the role. And we're talking about long-killed actor... Sean Bean, the guy who's been killed in almost every single film he's worked in. I like Sean Bean. I mean, think about it. Uh, let's see now. Lord of the Rings, he gets uh, he gets killed in Fellowship of the Rings. Um, he's in The Traveler, gets run over by a car. He's in uh, Game of Thrones, he gets decapitated. And we can just go on and on and on and how he dies. And this, he gets a satellite dropped on him. And as a villain, I love the fact that Alex Trevelyan, the character he's playing, double six. I bet 06, he like walks into the to the um, casting call and goes, "Okay, how are you going to kill me this time?" <laughs> I wonder because now that's just like a thing. Maybe, um, but yeah. So his character, Alex Trevelyan, it's interesting because he's double six. He is James's for- former friend and partner, and he knows all of the ins and outs of. MI6. So he's a former spy. He has the same training. And arguably he's better. How so better? He, he It depends. It depends on what his training was and because he's a higher number. So is higher number better? Don't know. It all depends. But he. it's interesting that this is one where it's a former MI6 agent and this is the first film where it's a MI6 agent who's the bad guy. It's not a knockoff. It's not a, this is James's opposite. Like, um, Scaramanga is opposite because he's an assassin just like James Bond is. You have Red Grant in uh, From Russia to Love, who's a KGB agent, who's his opposite. This is very different. This is same training, same elements. True. And... Well, let's get to the man himself. We're talking about Pierce Brosnan, the man who was supposed to originally be the actor, but then Roger Moore took his spot because reasons. I feel like Roger Moore, to me, is more classically masculine. I feel like Pierce Brosnan is very masculine. I'm not saying that he's not. Um, Very good looking, English, you know, checks all the boxes, and very, he's just very trim. He's not a dad bod. He's not. I look like yeah. da- I, I look like Dad in a in a fisherman's hat type thing. He is back to debonair, charismatic, and intriguing. Like Timothy Dalton. He's like more focused on what he looks like a little bit. Not like a fancy man, but like. No, he's together. He yeah. he looks like someone who who's together, and unlike Timothy Dalton, who was more, who was still kind of like charismatic. It's Pierce Brosnan is more together. He looks more debonair. Yeah. And this is also... More groomed. Yes. That was exactly. And this version of James Bond is very different than the other James Bonds. This isn't the original James Bond, the misogynistic rug wear. I mean, he's not wearing a rug, but it's the misogynistic, old school, uh, I don't care about anybody agent. He's not George Lazenby, the in love with uh, romantic He's not the, I'm going to do a kung fu chop, even though he does do a kung fu chop. But he's not the, the wacky uh, Roger Moore. He's not the, I'm tired of this shit, Timothy Dalton. This James Bond is, he's in the game. He's not going to retire, but he's no longer affected by it. It's, he's now, this is my job. This is what I do. I'm going to enjoy it while I can. But in the end of the day, 
a job is a job. And you can yeah. see that. it's He's not making attachments anymore. Like, the only attachment he has is many penny kind of but and q but that's why they hire they seek out orphans and true they don't go for the married man they go for the messed up one that likes to sleep with married women and but this is the beginning of that damaged james bond we're gonna see him more once daniel craig shows up but this one is he's a little damaged but he's he is set in his role at this point. And the new thing is that we see the difference in him with... He meets M in Judy Dench. And Judy Dench pretty much says, You're a misogynistic dinosaur from before the Cold War, but don't think for a second that I won't send a man to die to do this. Pretty much Bond is the best she has, and she knows that he is someone who will complete the mission even to his death. He's someone who, who is her best. So... And that's when she's like, do you want a drink? I want a drink. And, you know, James tries to do the whole, well, your predecessor had, what was it, scotch or something? Yeah. Over there in the cabinet. She goes, I drink bourbon. What would you like? <laughs> yeah, she, she... She's not messing around. Judy Dench doesn't mess around. M is no longer the, oh, I'm going to play by, I'm going to be there, just watch what you do. She's like, I'm going to take you to task. You're going to do what I say, and that's how this works. It's yes, I am a you think I'm a glorifying bean counter and I do use programs and algorithms, but I survey the situation, I do it, and that's actually pretty powerful. And she's a really good bond because of that. And not bond M because of that. And this leads her to become one of the most popular characters in the series. But uh, so if you've never seen this is Goldeneye, we're talking about Goldeneye, and the whole premise of this movie is Long story short, there is a secret weapon that was created by the Soviet Union, now the Russian government, that's called GoldenEye. What it is, is it is two satellites in the in the air that releases an electromagnetic pulse in whatever area it is into, and that releases the electromagnetic pulse to will become completely blacked out for 30 miles. So this is a terrifying weapon that was supposedly made during the Reagan era, may or may not exist... But, oh, we already know we have this. <laughs> they use a pinch in Ocean's Eleven to block out. No, no, no. That was the the electromagnetic pulse has been that's been developed, but the satellite with it is kind of that's a whole other. But anyway, same idea. So the whole premise of this is that the Goldeneye has been stolen. But it turns out that what they're actually doing is they're cyber stealing money. And then using GoldenEye to blow up everything, because then there's no record of... But they're not just doing it for the money. The money's just an added bonus. What they are going to do is they are going to wipe all records Oh, I thought they were kind of doing it for the money. Chaos. And to make matters worse, the film opens up in a beautiful way. Well, first off, when you, where it's a op from nine years beforehand, where they're going into a dam in... Uh, I don't want to say it's Cervenaya, but it because that's where the that's where the actual Goldeneye is. It's it's a Russian dam. They go there and they're infiltrating. It's 006, 007, and they're if it's a they're gonna blow up the place because it's filled with poisonous gas. The op goes horribly wrong, and Colonel Omarov uh, kills 006, shoots him in the head. James escapes, but before he escapes, but he doesn't actually die. He sets off a 
a bomb like three minutes early. Like he says, oh, the bombs are set for six minutes, so he adjusted to three minutes, so if they're going to lose, you're going to lose. And then he escapes an amazingly death-defying stunt of him riding a motorcycle off of a cliff and him kind of skydiving pseudoly into an airplane that's crashing and is able to right the airplane and fly away. And instead of them using the... They just kind of... There were some horns, though. They're very subtly in the background. But some stunt a stunt person must have had a ball working some of this out. Well, the opening sequence, the uh, bungee jump, is considered one of the most dangerous and greatest stunts for a long time. That opening sequence of the jump off from the opening in the dam all the way to the bottom. And while we're re-watching this movie, because we've both you know, seen it before, Zan sitting there going... That's not possible. He'd be killed. That's not possible. He'd be killed. I'm like, there's a stuntman right there doing it. There is. This is not CGI. It's not CGI yet. But there's some CGI in this. (laughs) Not much. It's not great. So you see him jump out, and then it goes into the actual opening credit crawl, which we'll get into that when we get to the credit crawl. And then it goes to nine years later, and this is, you find out about Servanaya. Servanaya gets, um, well, before Servanaya, a stealth helicopter gets stolen by uh, by Xenia on the top after a whole sequence of James dealing with uh, trying to meet her. He gets his orders from Money Penny, and we haven't even met New M. Saying, yet. well, he had to. He, the movie starts with him with the girl in the car who is sent to do a psych evaluation to make sure he's not insane, and he's going to like a casino. Everybody knows who he is. It's not a secret. And that's All an- this other stuff. That's like, another he's thing. He's on a break, like yeah. a am I six imposed vacation and this is when he meets Zenya on the top so he like knows his little 007 spidey senses go off and he knows like hey there's something here because she has fake plates right so she he like takes pictures sends it in like hey guys what's up with this and he's told stay away from it but um because or money penny does her little you know, I'm sure you're on top of things because her name is Zenya on the top, on the top, whatever. Yes. Um, and he gets a he ends. So up- he gets told that he can't chase her. So he sees her stealing the helicopter, and he can't go after her. He tries to anyway to stop it because he finds that the guy that she went left with, who was a general, is murdered. She murdered him. And I love the fact that she uses her sex in such a, uh, a way. Like, when she's going to steal the helicopter, she sees the two pilots. And she's like, hey, how are you doing? I'm a gift for you guys. He's like, really? And then she just shoots them both. No no qualms about it. No, like, oh, someone yes, else is going to come I'm kill you. I'm going to pretend to be a prostitute. And I'll kill you, no problem. And then they fly away. And do men really do that? Send a prostitute to their other friends? Is that like a thing? Uh-huh. It's, well, anyway, off of that. <laughs> So, but he tries to stop her, and he gets arrested, and then eventually he goes out. So when all of this is like coming down the pipeline, he's like, "If only you would have let me stop her, we wouldn't be in this mess." Because he's not wrong. This is when the golden eye is stolen. It's actually activated and nukes the whole uh, Servania base, which is supposed to be nothing there. And there's only two survivors. And one of them is a loyal programmer, which we actually did not talk about in this because we skipped over him. We're talking about Alan Cummings playing Boris Grishnikov, who is, um, how would you describe Boris? He's annoying, pervy. um, Know-it-all. Yes. 
he's the he's the the weird know-it-all that's so pervy he's like his jokes are you know it's in front of you and it can open large doors and the answer is knockers you know he's just like but they spell it wrong with an a <laughs> but, they, but there's no way he he can't get a girlfriend no. if he bought one but he's just so creepy he's creepy but he's he's good at his. He's he is a programmer who's great at hacking things and he's very things. great at hacking things. He's amazing at it. And he is actually when he, we open up with it, he is talking to Natalia and kind of pseudo flirting where they're messing with her. And then he leaves. He says, "I'm going to go on a cigarette break," and then things go to hell, where General Olmorov and uh, Zenia come in, and he's in his full regalia, and he talks to the supervisor says listen this is a uh, surprise inspection and he's going through all the motions of oh you have to give me the golden eye and this and that and then Zenia just shows up pulls out a gun and kills them all and it's like he gives her a look like hey I, I was on top of this what the hell are you doing like she is short fused she's like this is too boring this is too slow let's kill them all and so but, but Natalia being smart she hides in a very creative way place gets destroyed by the uh, Golden Eye, and then she escapes. She's the only survivor. No, the two survivors. No, she's the only one that escapes. The other guy leaves. He's part of the crew. Yeah. So she's the only survivor. But this is what leads M to be like, something's happened. Someone stole Golden Eye. This has to exist. So they have that cool conversation. And then she's like, listen, I want you to find Golden Eye, figure out whoever did this, stop them. But more importantly than that, if you come across Oromov, do not try to get revenge on him. Don't let your personal opinions of what happened to Alec Trevelyan go in the mix because he blames himself for the death. Yeah, but he didn't die. And then the be- and then the next scene is actually very cool. It's when um, the Russian Parliament is meeting, or the Russian, you know, the leaders are meeting, and you have. Um, Minister Mishkin talking to everybody and Omarov walks in and says, listen, I know that something happened. It's my fault. I'm sorry. I'm going to quit. And he's like, well, what about the two survivors? And he's like, what? Two I su- don't quit. Uh, two survivors. Uh, yeah, I'll take care of this. Uh, you're like, <laughs> didn't you just quit a second ago? It's like, you just heard the record scratch when he, he said that. They're like, how did you know everyone died? Yes. Is he bad guy? So he goes there, James shows up, and now... The other thing we forgot to mention, that there's a secret organization. Now, because of certain reasons, it's not Spectre. It's not Spectre. This secret group is called Giannis, named after the Roman god of uh, change. Which kind of fits in the whole situation, because they're trying to change the government, change the world by... Anyway. So he meets Jack Wade, which, like I said, waste of time. And Jack says, listen, I don't know anything about Giannis, but I know someone who could lead you to him. He's this Russian gangster who walks with a limp. His name's uh, Zukovsky. And James is like, uh, you mean Valentin Dimitrov? Zukovsky's like, yeah, how do you know him? He's like, yeah, I, I gave him the limp. And that leads to a great secret. So they walk in because this whole club is in abandoned... Uh, abandoned... Fishing yard or something. No, it's a train yard. It's an abandoned train yard. That's where oh, his... Yeah club is and when he walks in you see um him walking so it's haggard dressed up in a suit tie clean shaven walking with a short haircut and he gets a gun to the back of his head and he's like he hears the gun he's like walter pk i only know three men who use this and two of them i've killed 
And then he gives him a hard time about it. And he goes, you know, you shot me my leg. It hurts when it's cold. Do you know how much, how often it's cold here? And, and I love that one of his subordinates starts talking. He's like, shut up. But he's such a big guy that, you know, 007 Bond just says, well, think about it. It's so hard to miss you. <laughs> Have you ever thought about why it's just your leg? And then he says, well, I'll do the same courtesy. I will not, I won't, I won't achieve you. And then he's like, wait, 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 I want to get you money. And then it's like, oh, suddenly it's a whole different situation. It's now a business arrangement. He's giving him liquor. He's like, you get the money, but all I need is an exchange. Meet Giannis. And I get to keep the money? Okay, here you go. So he takes him to meet Giannis. And as you can probably guess, Giannis is Alec Trevelyan. Yay, he's the bad guy. Um, he has a crime syndicate and he's going to take over the world. He ends up, knocking Bond out because Bond is shocked that his best his former best friend is here. He wakes up inside the stealth helicopter tied up with Natalia next to him and they're going to blow up the helicopter. They escape. They get arrested by the prime minister or the uh, defense minister because a British spy and the one of the two survivors meeting up. Something's wrong. Maybe he stole Golden Eye. Yeah, something really fishy. And they have a piss pissing contest where they're ranting at each other and they're like saying and the ties like stop it you're, you're acting like two boys with toys look Omarov stole it and he's like oh and the whole thing's like oh you um earlier james said a quip about uh no one does the lost art of interrogation and then after that says uh michigan looks at him and says what were you saying about the lost art of interrogation he's like i got all of the information out of you but then Omarov shows up kills uh, Michigan and the guards with James's gun unloads the bullet, throws the gun at him like, oh, so you're trying to escape and I stopped you. And then they escape in a great sequence, but then the best sequence, Omarov runs off, grabs Natalia, and he's going to run to Giannis. And he's safe. And James doesn't have a car. He's stuck. How is he going to chase after them? With a tank! Uh, a chase sequence with a tank, which... This... Chase sequence is sponsored by Perrier. I don't know that for sure, but it's highly placed product that the tank goes through a huge Perrier delivery truck and all these cans go flying. It's everywhere. I've got to say that this is totally a homage to the gondola chase. Oh, totally. In um, With uh, Roger Moore, where he he's just uses the gondola to escape but this is like oh tanks chase it's a hundred times better it's kind of campy kind of insane but it's beautiful at the same time and also <laughs> if you played the golden eye uh game on the nintendo 64 that's the best level ever using the tank because it kills everything but i tried to play that against my cousin when i was a teenager and i didn't i could pick up weapons but didn't know how to shoot so uh, that game is super fun <laughs> i, I want to go back and play it but that's a different review that's Podcast. definitely a different review to talk about that game. We could talk about that in a different spinoff. I'll get a couple people who've played it who's good at it and we'll talk about it. But So from there, he ends up uh, meeting Giannis, uh, Alec Trevelyan, with Omarov, with Natalia, on a super nuclear train. And then it gets to a really Because cool... it, they're on a train that moves so that their, their location can never quite be pinpointed. Yeah. That's the whole thing. He ends up using the tank to kind of block the train they get not they get knocked off the tracks he gets on there and then kills Omarov and then he gets locked in the train with uh Natalia with the same six minutes that he left Alec Trevelyan 
So three minutes. So they got to escape, find everybody, and do that. And you have Natalia hacking the computer, trying to find out where Boris is. And James is actually using one of his cool gadgets to open their escape route. Which is funny because the, when they're trapped in the train, the Giannis? Uh, Alec Trevelyan. Alec Trevelyan is, he comes over and he's talking with James. He's like, I'm going to give you as much time as I have. Six minutes. Ha ha ha. And she goes, what does that mean? He goes, it means we have three minutes. Let's go. No, he says three minutes. And she's like, I, I find that you do this. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> or, or yes, sir. The beginning of him dealing with very strong women controlling his life. <laughs> And from here it ends up, they end up going to Cuba because it goes from England, no, uh, France, no, France to Russia to England to Russia to Cuba or Puerto Rico, if you know where it is, that's the satellite dish in Puerto Rico. But doesn't this remind you of a slightly racist um, Sean Connery playing a Japanese guy where there was a hidden satellite dish? That was an homage to that, definitely. But this is different, and I love the I love the fight sequence of this one. It was not the oh we're underground and there's a secret silo in a volcano. No, this is there's a fight on top of the satellite dish. The ending of this film is well done. Um, I actually pulled people. Well, we'll get to the ending. So James shows up. He fights. Uh, he gets caught by Giannis group. Uh, Alex Valian talks to him and is going to kill him. Natalia shows up, hacks the computer, locks it out, and then to top it off, because she was not a programmer for the the uh, weapon system, she was a programmer for the guidance system. She's going to crash the satellite, so they have to fix the satellite. Boris is being stressed by that, and because of a special gadget that no one thought to overlook, even though Alex Trevay knew what it was, he knew immediately what it was, but he forgets about it. Uh, because of that, they escape. And then it leads to a fight sequence on top of the uh, satellite dish. And a little bit of that thing I complained about a couple of weeks ago, the fast cuts. But not as much. Well, actually, no, we haven't talked about that. But fast cuts, but not as much. A little bit more stylized. And, yeah, well, he kills Alex Valle and saves the day, gets the girl. And then Boris dies. And they, and someone asked me, actually, actually, friend of the podcast, Doug, asked, where do we re-rate Boris's death in the... Uh, whole franchise. I gotta say, it's a pretty fucked up death. Because <laughs> he's always like, I am invincible, and I can do this. And then, I am invincible, and then he gets frozen. It's like that irony. It's, he technically is invincible now. He is now a statue. He's just so annoying, you don't feel bad for him. No, it's he, really comical the way that he does die. It is comical how he dies, because he survives all this stuff, and then just because of and the clicking because the pen, some... if you click it three times, well, oh, that isn't what killed him. The... No, I know, but the James Bond has the the bomb, the, <laughs> the bomb gra- that can be triggered with the pen. If you click it, the pen is a, its own bomb. It's a grenade, it yeah. Three times, it'll thirty seconds or whatever, it'll go off, and one of four seconds. <laughs> okay, whatever, and one of. But that was cool that he had that tick that was throughout he the entire... He likes, likes to like play with the pen and flip it between his fingers and then click it. And so James is like focusing on the pen and how many times it's clicking and like keeping an eye on it. Like, and it's oh, funny because it's, it's, it's a great tick that they... It's a Chekhov's gun because early on he's doing the pen thing and then later on you see with the pen and he's clicking it and clicking it and flipping it and flipping it. And James is watching like kind of like you see he's counting and then you see... Uh, 
Trevelyan like looks at him like, what the hell is he looking at? He's looking, he's like, is he looking at thing? Then he realizes, oh shit. It's the pen. And then you see him flip it, knock it over and blow everything up. And it's such a great scene. And I've got to say, Alex Trevelyan's death is well done because it's kind of that catharsis because as they're fighting, it's two friends fighting and it's not like good friends. It's they were once good friends, now they're bitter enemies. And just that last line of, because the beginning was, let's do this for England. For England, James. That's why we're doing this. And then him asking James why he's hanging off of the satellite and James is holding on to him. He's like, for England, James? Are you going to do it for the mission? He's like, no, for me. He just drops him. And then he survives a 300-foot fall just to have everything smash him. It's quite a horrible death. Well, you know, the guy got shot in the head and still didn't die. Yeah. So, of course, he falls. And blown up. And blown up. And blown up. His face is all burned. So he was shot in the head, then blown up all at the same time. Survived it. Falls a bajillion feet into the base of the satellite dish. Body kind of does this horrific kind of crunch bounce thing, which I turned away from. But he's still moving. But he's still alive. And then finally, it's the antenna thing or whatever that comes crashing down to spear him. He's like a... A centipede. The guy just won't die. And he was a well-done villain. I think he would have been a good uh, long-term villain if they had done it. But it wasn't bad, I will say. I think that he was a, a very effective villain. And in our rating systems, we actually have him pretty high. We, we have him rated it in because he's such a good villain for James. And Because when James first sees him, he can't believe it's like, it's like, you? Really? And then later on, he says... I was actually debating about bringing you in on this, but I know you wouldn't do that. And it's such a, a I don't want to say uh, juxtaposition, but it's such a unique twist on a villain which is done because he's someone who would have brought James in on it and seen if he did it, but James is too loyal to the, to the mission, to MI6, which is weird because he's wanted to leave how many times? Like all last time was, I don't give a shit if I get fired or not. And now he's, I'm loyal to the mission. Well, he doesn't, he still doesn't give a shit on whether he dies or not. He doesn't give a shit where he dies or not, but... He's always been loyal and has never really given a shit. Timothy Dalton was, in the in the Living Daily said, he's like, report me, I don't care if I get fired. He's mm-hmm. no longer, I don't think he's at that point, he's like changed from that point. And also the thing is, yes, he works for U- Universal Exports, quote unquote. But like you said earlier... James Bond before was like, oh, what's your name? My name's Bond, James Bond, whenever he shows up at a hotel or a restaurant. Now it's, Mr. Bond, how are you doing today? So he's established at this point. Yeah. People know him. He is a schmoozer. He is probably the most charismatic of all the Bonds with the universe, I think. Sean Connery's still my favorite. No, Sean Connery's still amazing. It's just that he is the one that the world knows. He's debonair. He's that guy. He's that famous businessman who's going to pay you a lot of money. Yep, which is why Pierce Brosnan can is like magic to selling watches and suits and very true. It's weird when you see him not in a suit. Yeah, you see him in a lot of movies because you in a see suit. him and you're like James Bond. Do I have to bring up Miss Doubtfire? Yeah, but that's different. That's it's weird. It's weird. He did that first though. I know, but still, you know him from well, James or Bond. Remington Steel. But still yet, you know him from James Bond. You can't not see him as James Bond. So you see him in anything other than or do I have a to perfectly bring up, cut suit Do or I tuxedo. have to bring up the horribly done Percy Jackson series 
with the first one, which is garbage, where he's playing a centaur. And he's still... He's not wearing a suit. He's in he's a wheelchair. He's still James Bond playing somebody else. But... So... Anyway, off of this James At least that's what I Bond think. rant. Uh, I've got to say... Message us if you think I'm right. Don't Keep it to yourself if you don't think I'm right. <laughs> yeah. So, besides that... The introduction of the new car. The new car is a BMW. Beautiful. missiles. It's kind of cool. The Q scene is well done in this movie. It's well done because there's a lot of really cool gadgets and there's some funny background stuff. Like you see one of the guys goes in to use a payphone, which is randomly in the Q lab. And it turns out that there's like one of those inflatable dummies that just fills up and he's stuck in there. And then you see in the background, they're trying to get him out of there and they end up wheeling him out. You have a chair that They take a guy. all of that stuff into... Um, Austin Powers. Some of it, but they do they don't do it as well, I don't think. Like No, the, they do it purposefully to spoof on it, but they they pick up on it. It's for me that's kind of a like a love letter. Maybe. But I, the one thing I think is a love letter is the chair eating the guy. That's mm. totally when Whisper died. When the chair ate him because he shot the gun and it ate him. <laughs> that's totally Whisper from Live and Let Die. Uh the gadgets aren't bad. He has a belt which has the Piton. He has the new watch, which has a a laser in it, and also is able to set off the bombs. Uh, one thing I have to bring up is I love the fact that um, Alec still has his watch, and he sees it going. I was like, "Oh, so is this the one that deactivates the bombs?" Because he knows it exactly. It's the same watch, except his is cracked. And so he goes, "Tink," turns it off. Uh, you. What else was there? There was that. There was the belt, the car, and then of course the. The pen, which is a class four grenade. Oh, and I love when James picks up the sandwich, like, put that down. He's like, why? What is it? That's my lunch. Yeah, they still have that return it on time. And and Q is still, he ha- he's still in good spirits with Bond. However, he is still, I got to hold you on task because you don't return anything that I give you. He's a little more curmudgeonly uncle at this point. He went from, I'm your armorer, to I'm your friend, kind of. But now he's curmudgeonly your your armorer. But that was kind of cool. And the story's well done, I think. It's a very good movie. It really is. It holds up well. Um, there's one sequence in the film which is totally done just because we want to see Isabel Scorupoco in a bikini and it has nothing to do with the film and it's it feels so out of place but it's like this you need a bond scene like this but it's like narratively it's totally an homage to honey rider it is but it's just like it's the white bikini it kind of was like okay they're gonna search for this place and then let's no we're gonna just stop off for like two days and and hang out we're gonna have a moment it felt but that was his romancing her yeah you need that no she's helping him uh cope with the fact he has to kill his friend unwind and then hey it's not a bad scene i'm just it's not a bad scene it just it felt really out of place narratively it feels like in a weird spot but she's beautiful and they're like how do we get her in a bikini let's write in a bikini beach scene let's make it white they could have written it better i think uh also pun game he has some puns in this but it's not terrible He's getting there. It, it starts off, he's got a couple of puns. He's more quippy at this point. Yeah, he's, he's very, he's you're not, right. He's not punny. He is very quippy in this. Because eventually we're going to see, when we get to the film that, well, I know a lot of people have a lot of hate for. We get to that one. That one totally, it's just puns. 
bad puns. Yeah, but I like them. Uh, so, what else is there? Um, it's fun with puns. Yes. So, where would you put... Uh, so? Hi. I like it. I put this one pretty high up there. I like this film. It's, it's a, not based on a book, but... It's not a guilty pleasure. It's a guilty pleasure. It's a good film. It ages well. And it's in an interesting point in the Bond franchise. And let's get to the last thing. The opening sequence. I love it. Tina Turner does an amazing job with this. And just the whole sequence is one using just gold and reds. Dealing with the Russian uh, My theme. favorite part of the opening sequence is not, shockingly, it's not the naked women gyrating about slowly to the music. Or semi-naked women, because sometimes they have a little bit of clothes on. Um, my favorite part is the gun barrel. They shoot the gun. You see you see the, the gun barrel comes up. They shoot the gun, and you become the bullet. And as you leave the gun barrel, you are then the car driving on the road. It, I really... The, the transition? I really liked that transition. Like, that was so... Perfect and cool. I love that scene. I like the fact that you had the golden eye where it was, you see this breaking of the sickle where it's the destruction of the the USSR and you see all the breaking statues. Then it goes into the eye and the eye is the yellow eye. And I like, even though this is so lame, you have the, the, the Walter uh, PPK show up just randomly. Just It looks like it's stock footage. Like it pops out of something and then just it shoots. It pops out of the girl's mouth. And then just the shoots. The one mouth is like smoking and then the head spins and it's dual headed. So it's the head on the other side. The mouth opens and the PPK and first the, pops the gas out. Come, the, the smoke comes out, then the gun. And yeah. it's, a, it's a cool sequence. And the song is done well with uh, Tina Turner singing it. You can't it. beat Tina Turner. Now, for those of you who want to bring it up, there's also one version that was done by Nicole Scherzinger uh, for the video game where they adapted and changed this, where they had, instead of Pierce Brosnan, it was Daniel Craig. And I gotta say, her version is pretty on point. <laughs> She's really talented. Yeah, so if you have a chance, check out that one. It's uh, the Nicole Scherzinger version of uh, GoldenEye. And, but the Tina Turner one... It's Tina Turner. It's Tina Turner. It's on great. point, like on top of her game. Everyone does a great job in this. I don't think that there is a, well, the only weak link, I would say. The weakest link is Joe Don Baker, I think. I think he's the weakest link. Strongest link, well, Judy Dench and Pierce Brosnan are doing great. It's a great opening. Dame Judy Dench. It's a great opening to the Pierce Brosnan era. Yeah, very much so. And it's one of the best opening films, I think, for a uh, character. So I think that's all we can talk about this one. So stay tuned because our next one we're talking about is Tomorrow Never Dies. The one with which had a pregnant Terry Hatcher who apparently she despised uh, him. Apparently they had a lot of issues, even though they. Oh, I didn't hear gir- that, but they hid her pregnancy beautifully. She looks drop dead gorgeous. Oh no, they have. There were so many horror stories about those two. Like yeah, well, they, you're just, also working with a hormonal pregnant woman. Oh, that is true. But we'll talk about that in the next episode. I think that's it. Let us know what you think. Email us at xanatspirekin.com uh, or go to the Discord, which we have. We have our James Bondothon uh, channel. Type on there. Let us know what you think about GoldenEye. Especially if you think I'm right. And I guess that's it. So with that in mind. Keep watching movies. I'm Greta. I'm Zan. We're Gonsville. See you next time.
James Bond. James Bond. from the dead. No longer just an anonymous star on the memorial wall at MI6. What's the matter, James? No glib remark? No pithy comeback? Why? <laughs> Hilarious question. Particularly from you. Did you ever ask why? Why we toppled all those dictators, undermined all those regimes? Only to come home. Well done, good job, but sorry, old boy. Everything you risked your life and limb for has changed. It was the job we were chosen for. Of course you'd say that. James Bond, Her Majesty's loyal terrier, defender of the so-called faith. Oh, please, James, put it away. It's insulting to think I haven't anticipated your every move. Yes. I trusted you, Alec. <laughs> Trust? What a quaint idea. How did the MI6 screening miss that your parents were Leon's Cossacks? Once again, your faith is misplaced. They knew. We're both orphans, James. But where your parents had the luxury of dying in a climbing accident, mine survived the British betrayal and Stalin's execution squads. But my father couldn't let himself or my mother live with the shame of it. MI6 figured I was too young to remember. And in one of life's little ironies, the son went to work for the government whose betrayal was the father to kill himself and his wife. Hence, Janus. Two-faced Roman god come to life. It wasn't God who gave me this face. It was you setting the timers for three minutes instead of six. Am I supposed to feel sorry for you? No. You're supposed to die for me. By the way, I did think of asking you to join my little scheme, but somehow I knew 007's loyalty was always to the mission, never to his friend. Closing time, James. Last call. 